Hey, welcome to FQ, where we talk about faith, family, and friends. I'm Jacob. And I'm George. And welcome to this week's podcast. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. This week, it is March 24th, 2021. Uh, We have an awesome guest. I will let him introduce himself since I'm trying not to introduce everyone, George, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Hello, my friends. My name is Paolo and uh, I'm from London, Ontario in Canada. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, So a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where were you born? Uh, I know you know four different languages. Uh, Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, I was born in Ukraine western part of ukraine really close to the border with uh, poland and uh, in 1998 our family immigrated to argentina and due to the economic situation in ukraine and uh, another few things too that drove us to immigrate in uh, to argentina and uh, i lived in argentina until 2005 and in 2005 i came to canada to study in bible college as they call for ministry i had I received in Argentina. And since then, since 2005, been this is 16 year I am in Canada. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. You <laughs> 16 years in Canada. That's got to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been living I've been living in Canada longer than I was living in Ukraine. So, even though I'm Ukrainian by national, I can guess that I probably can be Canadian now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um so one thing I know about you is, you know, four different languages. What are those? And uh, I think the funniest part is why you learned the last language made me laugh the most. <laughs> so the, obviously because I'm born in Ukraine, I speak Ukrainian. And uh, because Ukraine was part of uh, USSR for over 70 years, uh, we kind of were forced to learn the Russian language. And uh, actually, it was one of the most hated languages that I would speak, and I kind of refused to speak, because in 2014, when Russia invaded Ukraine and all that stuff. But uh, funny enough, in 2016, God actually healed me from that wound in my heart towards the people of Russia. And funny, (laughs) even today, in the morning, I was translating into Russian language, um, because uh, I have connections now in Russia with different pastors. So God actually healed me from that. <laughs> That's awesome how God does that and heals those wounds. Um, how did yeah. that How did that healing come about in 2016, though, like being so angry with... Well, you see, the anger came because of uh, there have been uh, guys that I went to school with and they went uh, to fight for, for the freedom of Ukraine when the invasion of Russia came to Crimea and the, and the eastern part of Ukraine. And a few of my uh, classmates, they died. Uh, and, and it's just, I've been so devastated about that, that I started hating them and all that stuff. And then what was happening in 2016 got led me to become a youth pastor for uh, all the Slavic churches here in Canada. So Slavic churches would be Ukrainian, Russian, Polish, and those languages, I some of them I speak more, like Ukrainian, Russian, I can speak better and preach, but Polish is kinda, uh, kinda halfway. And I was uh, visiting a city of Montreal, one of the beautiful churches there, 
and the pastor of the church, he said, well, we are Russian-speaking church. You can preach in English or Ukrainian. We'll translate you to Russian. And I hate being translated, man. Like, I just like to share the word in the native language of the people <laughs> who I'm reaching out. And I just start praying, God, can you help me? And, and you know, even though it was hard, yes, I sweat buckets <laughs> while I did the sermon. Uh, but on the end of everything, uh, I just start realizing I need healing in, in my heart. And step by step, God was aligning me with people who would speak that language. And, uh, and, and first it was like Ukrainian, the Russians, but then God started aligning me in 2019 with people actually from Russia. And uh, God brought that restoration in a, one of the conferences where I met the people from Russia and, and just brought all this understanding. Listen, we are still brothers. We are still brothers in Christ. What unites us is, is the kingdom of God. It's not our political agenda. And those were the first Russians that I met in my life. Not, not that I didn't met any Russians before, but those <laughs> first Russians that they actually they were not political. As you know, like when Crimea been annexed by Russia, you know, whose Crimea is, Ukrainian or Russian? And that was the first question. But what, what actually came is uh, this, this man of God, Pastor Sergei, he's like, listen, we are here to build up the kingdom and not talking about politics. And uh, he became one of my spiritual fathers. And uh, now I'm planning my first trip to Russia. And oh, awesome. probably this year, as soon as we will not be going to be muzzled up and <laughs> right, <laughs> muzzled up. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Just bringing in that restoration and being able to preach to people in their own language. It is. I don't know if Jacob, if you've ever had to speak through a translator. No, to anyone. I I have in uh, Romania was <laughs> the first time. Like I, I and I didn't know. I knew if still know a few words in, in their language. But I uh, was preaching to this, this youth group, and they, you know, they look like the youth kids in, in the States. So I started yes. just, like, um, just preaching in English, and the translator was like, oh, you got to stop. They don't understand you. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that's just kind of weird you got to have a kind of a code to let them know when you're done speaking you know saying your sentence so they can translate uh so being well, able to do it in their own language is, is great special especially with the youth you the youth you know we will use some kind of slang and all slang and all that stuff kind of to get to their level to connect with them and 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 it and that's why i hate being preaching with the translator if i can i'll, I'll speak in the, in the native language so in 1998, we immigrated to Argentina, to Argentina, and that's where I were forced to learn Spanish, obviously, because that's where my family moved. One of the reasons why I was uh, we moved to Argentina it was because of me. Uh, at the age of 11, I got involved with people from mafia and started stealing and all that stuff. Even though coming from a really exemplary family, um, my mom was Christian for a really long time. My dad came to the Lord in 1995. She prayed for him over 25 years to come to the Lord. And uh, like my dad saw that if, if we would remain in Ukraine, regardless of what he would do, I would probably still go into that criminal world. So he, 
decided, sold everything, and we moved to Argentina. And what a best choice in our life. Uh, that's where I got to know Jesus. Uh, that's where I got to start serving the Lord at the age of 15. Like two years later, when we arrived to Argentina, God put me into ministry and all that stuff. And I realized that if I would remain in Ukraine, I probably will be maybe not even alive right now. One of my best friends was just uh, apprehended last year with some drugs. <laughs> hey, kid from church, by the way. <laughs> So, it happens. <laughs> yeah, you never know how God can move in, and and just you know help you out through all those situations and and guard you from from bad influences. So that's what the reason. And then in 2005, when I arrived to Canada, before Canada, obviously, you know, like I was in ministry for some some time already, and uh, specifically in worship ministry, but always kind of seeking the Lord uh, for more. You know, like, uh, I'm one of those kids that I, I don't get comfortable uh, with what I have. I always want to have more. Um, maybe some kind of ambition, and but, you know, holy ambition. <laughs> yeah. I want to grow. I want to grow. You know, my family is Christian uh, for 125 years now on my mother's side. First Christians were in 1896. So there's a lot of legacy. There's a lot of testimony in the family. And I started questioning, not questioning the existence of God, but at the age of 20, I start questioning uh, the God's power, the God's miracles. Is the gifts are working right now? Is the gifts operating? Is, is the mir <clears throat> miracles are possible <clears throat> right now? And, and, and that led me kind of start seeking more. And uh, then I find out about the college in, in Canada so I can apply then. Uh, my first application when I did, uh, they rejected my application for visa. So I'm like so disappointed. It's like, God, you told me that I have to go to Canada to study in Bible college and now they don't give me visa. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what can you do? And um, and God said, like, listen, I'm going to do my way. And uh, if you trust me, I'll, I'm gonna, it's going to happen. So the second time when I applied, this actually happened like in three weeks and got the visa, and I arrived in December 2005 to Canada. What was interesting is, like, at that time in Argentina was in Celsius, plus 40, and, and when I arrived to Canada, it was minus 40 in Celsius. So 80 degrees Celsius <laughs> difference, that would be probably, like, 120 degrees difference in, in Fahrenheit <laughs> uh, from one day to another. So obviously Canada did not really welcome me nicely but um, <laughs> <laughs> what can you do you know god told me to come to study in that bible college even though like you know in argentina there were tons of bible colleges but for some reason i felt to come to canada and uh, then uh, you know you start learning the language because first here in that bible college they would have translators uh, into spanish or uh, ukrainian or russian language so i didn't really need to learn spanish but uh, English, but uh, the, the, um, the reason why I wanted to learn English, because I was kind of, you know, young and ladies, man, I love to hang out with all the girls and flirt. <laughs> <laughs> Never happens with the worship leader, you know, <laughs> of 21. So I was like, okay, I need to learn this language as fast as I can so I can flirt with the girls. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, confessions of a pastor. Uh, 
and 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 that's what actually happened as, as I was trying to date this girl or whatever, at least hang out and talk to them. And I learned the language that yeah. way really fast. About six months, I could could speak somehow with with them. Could at least. Uh, describe my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's kind of what what was happening, and um, going forward in 2016, as I said, I was uh, I became a youth pastor with responsibility of churches all across Canada, and we pastored for two years with my wife, a really good time, and uh, in 2019. 2018, we went to start congregating in an English-speaking church. Before that, I was only congregating in Slavic-speaking churches. But in 2018, we started first time. That was kind of like a betrayal to your culture because now you're going to the English people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm the Judas. <laughs> no. <laughs> and even that, it's like... God was working the whole 2018 in my life about breaking that religious bondage and cultural bondage, uh, you know, because those things sometimes tie you up and it would not let you to progress on the on your um, endeavors with God. Because it's like, okay, we always done it this way because that's the culture. And we always done it that way because that's our customs of doing this stuff. And in 2019, uh, I had... Uh, a really interesting time in my life, uh, but that was a sign actually for my pastor. So what happened to me, I, I worked at that time as a construction site supervisor build, building houses, and uh, I had to deal with some issue with sewage, and that stuff ex exploded in my face, and the uh. bacteria got into my body. So um, a short story, <laughs> uh, I ended up not in a hospital, but I ended up quarantining in, in my home in 2019. And not not with COVID, <laughs> but, with, uh, <laughs> but I had um, basically my liver was decomposing, and they were start talking about like the, the transplant and all that stuff. At that time, my uh, uh, little girl, my 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 daughter, was only like three weeks when I was uh, diagnosed with all that stuff, and um, that was a sign for my pastor. And I'm, I'm going to explain a little bit farther why it was a sign for my pastor, but. At that time, when I was really, really bad, like I was yellow as Homer Simpson, um, you know, wow. John Dixon, all that stuff. Yeah. It's not that you guys watch that stuff, but uh, just <laughs> it's not that you guys watch it. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah. I remember that one day I'm looking at my baby girl. She's probably two weeks or three weeks old, and I'm like, I'm just crying to the Lord, and I'm just saying, "Listen, God, you didn't bring me to Canada just." And you didn't give me this beautiful girl so I would die. Or, you know, I will have to have this life of, you know, who knows when that transplant is going to come. And I was not like one of those, you know, a premeditated prayer. You know, you're going to go and kneel on your knees and on the side bed. You know how they picture the prayer. No, it was actually taking a shower and just crying out to the Lord. And uh, what happened in the next few days, um, I, I had blood work done four times a week just to check my blood because enzymes were so elevated. I think it was like 280. Normal is like 12. Um, basically, no liver whatsoever. And um, what what was happening that gradually every day when I was taking uh, the blood work again and again, after that prayer, um, 
became a healing, first of all, because the blood started improving, praise God. And then like in one week, the blood became normal. So one of the reasons why I have even the beard is because it's a, it's a sign that God healed me. Before that, I was always clean and shaved, you know, uh, but that actually became like a, a reminder for me, not the fashion trend, like everybody likes it, but it <laughs> became a reminder. And that actually brings the passage. If you remember Acts chapter 20, when Apostle Paul is returning to Jerusalem before he gets apprehended and, and in jail, he does this wow that uh, he is uh, devoting himself that he knows where he's going and he shaves his head. So it kind of became for me having a beard. It's like that sign, Lord, this is will remind me every day that you are healed me from a, from a deadly disease and I'm going to serve you. Um, why was a sign for my pastor? Because my pastor was planning to move to a different uh, location in Canada, pastoring another church with uh, one of his best friends, and he was praying to the Lord to give him a sign about me, so for me to slow down. Because uh, at that time, when I was working as a site supervisor building houses, I could build anywhere between 20 to 28 houses at the same time, uh, 70 houses a year. Uh, one of the fastest guys in town, not that I'm bragging about me, but it's, it's just it turned out to be that I needed to slow down, and the Lord slowed me down. And I was like, okay, well, thank you that you asked for that sign. You could ask for something else. <laughs> and, and the sign was for that he decided to put me to commission me into the pastoring of church. So today I'm pastoring English speaking church, a Slavic guy with an accent. Yes, I have an accent because I speak another languages. And it was different coming into the. Like we are multi generational church, multi ethnic church, and uh, and then COVID hit. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Try to pastor a church when COVID hit. So, so is that's your uh, a little sorry little yeah? Go ahead. I was gonna say, is your is your wife English speaking or is she Canadian or? I mean, I guess well, I'm asking, did it work for you learning English with flirting with the girls? Is that <laughs> Is that well, what happened? The interesting story, the interesting story about my wife. So her parents are immigrated to Canada from Paraguay. Paraguay, it's a Spanish-speaking country, but her great-grandparents immigrated from Ukraine to Paraguay. So basically, where did I met her? I met her at church. Like every single good guy would meet a girl in a church. You know, like every- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Sometimes got... Uh, well, but it's best. It's best to me, the girl in church. And uh, <laughs> what what happened is uh, I met her in, in a Ukrainian church, um, and, and she speaks Ukrainian, very good Ukrainian. He, she writes and everything. But her family also speaks Spanish, so she speaks some Spanish too. And uh, uh, what was funny part, that she was born in Canada and everything, but when she was praying to the Lord or giving her the list, and I got, come on, like people who are listening, now, so you guys, whoever is single, you have a list. What the, your, your future mate should uh, fulfill, no? Yeah. Your future wife or future <laughs> husband. So my wife had the list, and in the list uh, she put this, that uh, my future husband has to be Ukrainian but speaking in Spanish. And, yeah, <laughs> you know what? 
There's no many guys. <laughs> so two languages, it's an interesting combination. And But on the end of the prayer, she always would say, but Lord, let not be my will, but yours. She was like, yeah, <laughs> give a whole extensive particular list, and now you're asking for Lord's will. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, 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 I fulfilled that list uh, to every single point. Uh, she was so detailed, even asking, like, so he would cook the meals because I don't know how to cook well yet. And this is a list of 13 or 14 year old, and she had it for years. Um, we, both of us, we were really heavily involved in our teenage years and youth in, with the church, serving faithfully, uh, to the point that it's like, you know, there was nothing else that we, we, like, you know, people would go, it's like, okay, let's go bowling. It's like, no, we are busy with the church. Uh, we would spend six days a week in the church and probably just one day to rest because, you know, you need to rest sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I know that the youth right now probably doesn't see this. Like, oh, come on, I, I have a nervous break- breakdown. I need to take a, a, you know, a sabbatical for five years now because I have a nervous <laughs> breakdown. I'm an old school. I'm an old school guy that, you know, it's like, hey, six days a week church plus Sunday twice, you know, in the morning and the evening. And uh, what about to visit another churches as well? Um, but we were growing that, uh, you know, serving faithfully uh, in everything what we could uh, in in worship ministry. Uh, my wife, uh, well, at that time, she was, we were just dating. She was involved with the church band and the kids uh, choir in the Sunday school and you know, youth choir and the uh, adult choir, you just name it. Like, she is involved in everything. And I was involved in everything else as well, like, you know, preaching and, and doing this stuff. And uh, uh, in 2009, we got married, but we could not get pregnant all, uh, until 2014. So now what happens in 2014? Um, you know, she gets pregnant, gets tested, all good. We go to the doctor, and the doctor right away sends us for ultrasound. So 11 weeks, that first ultrasound. Yeah. We go for the ultrasound, and, and they're like, okay, um, all good. This, whatever, they didn't say much. And then we get a phone call a few days later. It's like, oh, okay, we need an extra ultrasound. And, you know, being naive, first-time parents, are like, oh, okay, this is, this is cool, this is cool. All right, they want it again, so they do it again. And then a few days later, again, another ultrasound. And I was like, okay, there's something interesting happening. Like, you should not get three ultrasounds within two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what was happening is uh, they said that, uh, okay, maybe are you guys really leftists or right, I don't know, Democrats or Republicans, I don't know how you guys believe on that, pro-choice, uh, pro-life, but... Um, uh, the baby, the this living is a being. Christian podcast, so we believe in keeping the baby. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know you have to be careful nowadays. But well, um, and, and even nowadays, when you say it's a Christian podcast, oh, yeah. like, well, <laughs> well, first off, we're not progressive. <laughs> we are pro. We're pro life. We're pro life. Okay. We're pro gun. We're pro <laughs> pro everything. You know, man. <laughs> So, so I will say baby, not a fetus. Mm-hmm. Um, so the baby, you know, at 11, and 11 weeks, um, they start explaining to us that the abdominal wall did not close. And meaning that, that all the insides of the baby, like at eight weeks, 
of the gestation, the abdominal wall closes and it basically just lets the umbilical cord that's connected to placenta. I'm not going to give you a whole bi- biology anatomy class right now. <laughs> but <laughs> what happened to our baby, baby boy later, will we find out that uh, uh, all his organs escape into umbilical cord. And uh, right away, you know, it's like when we start sharing with the friends, this is what you need to pray for. A lot of people in church starting kind of like judging on a sense is like, hey, oh, okay, what God is punishing you for? Where did you sin? And I was like, okay, <laughs> if from all my friends that I have, <laughs> we probably were the most involved and let me check. And, and you know, and, and again, like you start, sometimes start believing the lies of the people because they're like, okay, God is punishing you with this baby. Um, and, and then it's like, okay, it's a, it's a growing, a, a baby monster or something like that, because you don't know, you know, it's like, and, uh, we got the first call to have an appointment with the genetics people, the genetics doctors. And, uh, you know, I, I heard from both sides of the, of the, of the Christian family, there's pro-choice, there's pro-life and, uh, it, you know, We've been actually faced three times by the genetic doctors who saying to us, you know, you guys are still young. You could kill this baby, abort this baby, and just, you know, in a few years try for an, an X1. And, and, and I have a really strong opinion about this because I'm like, no, listen, I'm not the one who gave the lie. And yeah. I don't know for who it is right now, but I'm going to share this. It's like, uh, even people thinking that, you know, it's like, okay, uh, men and women have a, you know, intercourse, and then the, that's how the babies are made. Uh, but actually, God is the one who gives the life. You mm-hmm. can be trying yeah. for years, and you could still not get pregnant. And and every single time when there is a pregnancy, where that baby is conceived, is because of the will of the Father. It is the, the will of God for that baby to be born. Uh, if it would not be... Uh, if you remember the, even the story of Abraham and Sarah, she was barren. And, and, you know, like we are looking at, okay, so she was barren. It's like, no, they tried their whole entire life to get pregnant, but it wasn't working. And, and, and sometimes it breaks my heart. Like people who could actually bury the children, they, they choose in the other way. So uh, the reason why they wanted us to abort the baby uh, because uh, they saw obviously all those insides inside of the um, umbilical cord, and that condition is called onphalocele. And there's a lot of kids with onphalocele in in the uh, United States and in Canada. And there's a really good hospital in in Philadelphia that actually uh, uh, they actually do surgeries for those onphalocele. Um, and what what was happening is they like okay and there's a problem with the heart as well so there is a large heart and then it's kind of some different uh, mutations how the heart was formed the heart that's in the wrong location blah 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 so when we put these two together we suspect that the baby has trisomy 13 or trisomy 18 so that's basically an extra 13 or 18 chromosome again remember the church, some guys are praying and saying, Lord, can you heal this baby? The other side of the church, they're like, hey, uh, God is punishing you because you're so bad. And you're like, okay, who should I hear? And uh, some people just come simply and just pray. And, and, and if that's someone who is listening to us is going through a situation like that, what I would recommend, even if 
Maybe it's not you. Maybe there's somebody in church going through a situation like that. Uh, just pray. Just come to them, hug them, and just say, listen, I know COVID restrictions, social distancing, whatever. Uh, we, we uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I would, I would suggest, strongly suggest, it's not, don't make assumption why God have allowed this or that, but just hug them. That's what they need. They need a restoration in their heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, during all that pregnancy that we were going with, with my son, Martin, I had one question and I probably, it's, it's natural. Uh, it's one question. Why? Why? Why God, you allowed this to happen? And I, I became so bitter. Even though serving in church faithfully, still preaching, you know, it's like, uh, it would be like, are you, how can you be bitter in the joy of the Lord? I was like, no, I was bitter. I was so heartbroken because it was like, why God, you allow this? And I remember clearly this was August 2014. I was one of the, in, in one of the youth camps serving there as well. The pastor started preaching about Jonah. And, you know, we know the Jonah story, but he actually preached on the last part when Jonah is waiting on the end, uh, it's like just waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed. And he's sitting there and the Lord sends, he, the Lord has mercy on Jonah and, and sends this little uh, plant to grow. And then you remember the plant uh, died overnight and all that stuff. And, and, and the message was, is like, you have to start thanking to the Lord for the situations that you have in your life and not complaining because Jonah got so disappointed that that plant died. But he's like, I don't want to live anymore. It's like the depression number one, no? Yeah. And yeah. to be honest, that service, the Lord started working in my life. It's just, I cried out my heart. And I am one of those emotional guys. You know, men cry. Whatever. Yeah. You shouldn't believe the same way. Not, I don't care. Don't. <laughs> That's one thing we don't do. We don't cry on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have the joy of the Lord. And, um, what what actually started happening? God started healing my heart towards you know the, the situation. Like no, it's it's not. I'm not punishing you. There is a my purpose on this. Uh, and and one of the things I I understand right now is just because my of my eagerness to see the miracles of God working today in the present time. I am not a sensationist. I am a continuationist, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I seen the Lord work and operate so many times but you cannot convince me the other way around sorry you got you have a stubborn ukrainian guy <laughs> and uh, and what what happened is um uh, my son did have the trisomy 13 and 18 at that time of the pregnancy and uh, i did a mistake i went and googled it and when i googled it it's like oh my gosh what is this the baby is without the face that's what those conditions are and I was just heartbroken, man. It's like, God, it's like, I know we said that we are not going to abort this baby, but like, man, this is going to be hard to live like that. Uh, you know, where are you going to go in public? People is going to be pointing fingers, you know, and you just start, uh, you know, feeling all that way, uh, yeah. that what the people are going to say. And, you know, what that time at that camp, God not only healed me, but he healed, he healed Martin. Why? Because a week after that, my wife went to the hospital and they're like, okay, so here is your 56 ultrasound that you have to do and check yourself every week. And uh, I'm just saying a number. 
Yeah. And, 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 and the lady is like, listen, do you have time? And uh, the, the ultrasound lady and my wife, Diana, is like, yeah, I have time. She's like, listen, we just got the 3D uh, guns, whatever, to do the 3D ultrasound. Would you like it to see the picture of your baby? And she's like, oh, yeah, good. So uh, she does all that stuff, brings the picture. She doesn't know that I went on, on, on you know. The, the best uh, website in the world, the Google, to Google the pictures <laughs> of tragedy 13. So I'm like, okay, man, God, this is what, what is coming. So I come from work, and she says to me, listen, I have this gift for you. And she hands, hands me over this envelope, and I open up, and I stare and see in picture, and, and I just broke myself. Why? Because in those pictures on the 3D, I could see clearly the nose the eyes the lips everything was formed perfectly his face was perfect and and it just broke wow. me you know god made the healing already in the in the room so it's like okay god so did you heal the uh, the the too? and it's like no that's something you need to go and and carry the burden with so martin was born in october 2000 uh, 14 and uh, of course with all the insights outside of his body um i don't know I, i'm talking too much i don't know how much time i have <laughs> no, you're, oh, no you're good yeah you have plenty okay. of time and uh, what what happened is um so all his insights were just an umbilical cord so it's just uh, uh, you know you can see through and all that stuff and uh, this they start applying different uh, gauzes different creams and everything to um even like silver nitrate, trade, whatever stuff, like mm. silver stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll give that reaction to that stock of the, um, uh, of the umbilical cord to start reacting and creating the skin. And the skin actually grew over and all that stuff. Uh, so at the age of two months, my son Martin, his name is Martin Gabriel, uh, he had a hernia and then we had a surgery. Uh, one of the things what I want to mention too is like uh, I think for us as, as fathers, it's one of the probably the hardest decision during the pregnancy is like how do you name your kid? Yeah. And you start praying to the Lord, or you start googling uh, what's the top names for 2021? You know, <laughs> <laughs> baby names, you know, baby boy names, baby girl names, and some people do that. Uh, I believe you. Every name that how God name, names us or our parents name because they seek the Lord, it has a big significance. My name is Paolo. That means Paul. And the, the reason uh, I I got the name even before I was born. My mom knew that I'm going to be a baby boy in 1984. There was no ultrasound at that time, especially in Soviet Union. Come on. <laughs> Maybe in the United States where you guys have more technology. But she knew from the Lord that it's going to be a baby boy. So she's like, I'm going to name him Paul because he's going to be an apostle and a prophet to the nations. And I didn't know that until later on in life. But uh, uh, my mom lost three kids before me. So I was like prayed in, you know, and, and dedicated even in the womb and all that stuff. God has plans for every one of us. Yep. Uh, every, every birth is special. So I will start praying to the Lord. It's like, Lord, I know we are expecting baby boy. And you see, this is really interesting. How did we know that we had a baby boy? Not because of ultrasound, but because of blood work. Because in my wife's blood, they start seeing that she has male chromosomes. 
So that kind of breaks the whole theory of the transgenderism. Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> How? Yeah. Uh, just throwing that in real quick, side note, like I've been hearing for a while now in Canada that it's they're making it illegal for you to say stuff about yep. that. Yeah. So we how do you one, handle that? We have one law right now in the works. Uh, it's going to become a law soon. Uh, bill C6, it's called, and it's a bill uh, against the conversion therapy. Uh, the problem is it's conversion only one way. It's you cannot convert somebody who is gay into straight, but there is not a problem to convert somebody who is straight into gay. Wow, that's dumb. <laughs> well, it should, it should protect both sides. No? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, but the other, so, the other side will say, well, they, you know, they were always, even though they said they were straight, they were actually always gay. They just didn't, you know, they just didn't know it yet. For, for uh, instance. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> so for, I, maybe I, it was the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this thing has two sides, you know? <laughs> yeah. For instance, we had a guy on here who was gay and married a man and was married to him for a couple of years. And before he got saved, divorced him because God was already working through through him then and then like months later got saved and was like I was totally wrong in this like that this was so corrupt and and like everyone hated on him like yeah. and they yeah. still do and they're like he goes okay if I were to come back and say hey guys I'm gay he's all you guys would embrace me and love me but the moment I say hey I'm straight because this is what it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be about God. That's the way God intended it. You guys all hate me. And he goes, you're supposed to be quote unquote, the most loving, but you're the most hateful out of everyone. You see the, the, the part of the word, and they would quote the Bible as well, you know, love thy neighbor as yourself. Uh, And that's the second rule. But what about the first one? If you love God, uh, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have, yeah. you will obey all to his commands and you will agree with all his creation. And it's clearly God said he created male and female. So there is no, no other way around. But uh, I think that probably for the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of biblical evidence. Uh, and, you know, we love the sinner. We hate the sin. Yeah, uh, we we love them. Uh, I have a lady in my church who was a lesbian, married to a lesbian woman, and uh, she is straight right now. And uh, that partner that she had, she passed away, but there was a restoration in her life as well. And today, she is one of the probably most um, involved people in in my church uh, that God restored. So yeah. there is a restoration of God as well. And and you know what, like. Our mission, Apostle Paul writes that we have a calling and our mission being an ambassador of reconciliation. And right now, I just feel right now, the Lord is just moving this way. I'll prophesy a little bit. Uh, the, the, I feel right now that our society is becoming in such a way of being the, uh, for social justice. But if we're looking, the intention of the Lord was not justice, but it was saving 
You know, God does not want to judge. He wants to save. God much rather see everybody in heaven than seeing people in hell. And that's the part that people are missing, that the Lord doesn't want uh, to condemn, but he wants to re restore them and reconcile them. So uh, even looking at the social justice movements right now, I'm always thinking is like, uh, will we have some kind of reconciliation or is always going to be we'll just agree to disagree? Because agree to disagree, there is no reconciliation there and there is no intent for that. And I believe right now, as we are in the Western world, we are going to start understanding more and more of that calling of the church for the reconciliation, not compromise, but reconciliation yeah. with God, not with with the, the sin. No, we can reconcile with the sin. We just can reconcile <laughs> with God. So yeah. uh, going back to the story of my son, at the two months when he was born, he had a surgery uh, for fixing his hernia because the skin started growing over that, uh, that sac of umbilical cord. And... Uh, the care after the hernia was not really good. So they pumped so much water into him because he was not peeing. So they basically made a, a little baby balloon, baby boy ba little balloon with the blood so diluted that they could not even test the blood anymore. Wow. And what happened on the end is uh, December 24, 2014, when everybody is, you know, Christmas Eve, everybody is with happy faces and everything is good my son ended up in critical care. He was dying. He had no temperature whatsoever. He was so low that they could not even take the temperature rectally. And that would be probably the warmest part of his body. His body shut down because of uh, organs were so preserved. So uh, none of the insides were working. He would not pass any food through the um, through the small or, or big bowels. There was no bowel movement as well. And they put him on life support right away. And that day, the nurse could not step away from uh, my son's bed in critical care. By the way, in critical care, you have one nurse for one patient. And you have a respiratory therapist, one for whole unit. In London, Ontario, we have a unit of 12 beds. So for 12 patients, there is one respiratory therapist. Well, what happened on December 24, for seven hours, respiratory therapist and the nurse was one of the senior nurses there in, in that unit, could not step away from his bedside. He was dying. His color was ashen. Uh, when I was holding him uh, in the morning uh, uh, before putting him to the bed, the, uh, the, the nurse said, okay, politely, you know, we are Canadian, so we have to say everything politely. Okay, Dad, can you put the, the baby on the bed? You know, probably Americans would be like, get that baby on the bed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maybe. Nice, nice and politely, you know, it's like, okay, sir, you know. And um, so put on the bed and I look at my pants and my pants are full of blood. So my, my son just like basically pooped the blood. It's like when the person is basically dying. His color was ashen, so there was no life on it. So they resuscitated him that day with the fluids because uh, he was not dealing well. Nine days, his body was shut down from a little hernia repair. You know, it's like, well, what's, what's a hernia? It's like not, not much work, no? Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
he was on life support all those days and they're like okay he has been in life support now for i think at that time was like 12 or 13 days we need to get him out because we don't want him to have any lung damage that's why people who get infected with COVID-19 and they are on life support for a really long time, they have scar tissue on their lungs. And if you are young and you have COVID, uh, uh, like, you know, that stuff can, can you can have long, long-term long uh, effects in your life. And uh, they try to extubate my son from life support and they didn't work. And they uh, because they were going back and forth, back and forth. So basically, he got pneumonia from all that uh, stuff. So pneumonia, basically, his uh, lungs are start filling up with fluid. So on January 8, 2015, at 7.41 uh, in the morning, we get a phone call from the hospital. Uh, at that time, we could not sleep at the hospital. We knew that our stay at the hospital would be long, so we decided to sleep at home because you need to rest to take proper decisions at the hospital. And I know some people are, you know, they're more connected to the kids and they would stay with, with the kids at the hospital. We, we decided to not do it. So don't judge me, please. Uh, no but at 7.21 <laughs> in the morning, we get a phone call from the hospital saying, you know, you have to come uh, to, the hospital, to the hospital immediately. Now, this is January 8th. I don't know where you guys live, if you have snow. But listen, buddy, like here in Canada, January 8th, we have two, three feet of snow sometimes. Uh, so the night before, it was a big snowstorm. I'm like, you know, using the snowblower. Are you guys use snowblowers? Or you yeah. all like, yeah. you know, macho man and using just the shower, you know, it's like, hey, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, snowblower it is. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm cleaning the la- laneway. And just to get my car out of the garage, and I basically just clean up for one car. And uh, my wife is just comes screaming from the house, it's like, we need to go to the hospital. You know, it's like, okay, uh, probably wasn't like that. It was probably more dramatic. So I jumped into the <laughs> into the car. We had this SUV, uh, you know, fancy SUV BMW. Never buy BMW. Buy American. Uh, cheaper in parts. <laughs> you don't need fancy cars, just buy something that's more reliable. And uh, I'll tell you, man, like those 10 minutes to the hospital, uh, I created my own road rules. Uh, I'm not proud of my driving skills that morning, but my son was dying uh, because they told us we need to come immediately. So what was happening with my son while I'm driving with my wife to the hospital? He... His lungs were filled with water, so the pneumonia just just shot his lungs. He could not breathe anymore. He was not breathing on his own. He was breathing through the life support machines, but even machines could not make it move that water. And that caused a, re- a respiratory arrest, caused a cardiac arrest. Uh, three days before that arrest, the Holy Spirit kind of led us to start asking in the in the critical care unit to the doctors and nurses how long they would do the CPR. I had no idea about this stuff. Listen, I'm a construction guy. My wife, she is a high school teacher, music high school teacher. We are not medical. But Holy Spirit <laughs> led us to start asking questions like that. And the reason for that, because when they start doing resuscitating my son, by the book, it's only 10 minutes, man. And after 10 minutes, like you, you're a goner. You know, they yeah. would just tr- try to do this 
life, you know, they would do compressions, but it's like, uh, I'm just doing it for looks more than uh, doing it for something. Uh, but that day, the the doctor that I, I believe God just sent that doctor because that's where she was. She was the instructor for the li- li- like doing the compressions. They call a uh, Paul instructor, and um, the nurses who were there, they all knew us because you know when you stay that long in the critical care, you develop a relationship. And I'm a talker, you know. I, I like to speak to people. I'm not. This we COVID couldn't is tell. Really, yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. I, I, listen, I I like to be with people. I, you just give me a microphone and I'll preach for five hours. I'm like Apostle Paul, you know? It's midnight and Epicus is falling asleep and falling from the third floor, you know? And I will be probably like Apostle Paul. Okay, let's go resurrect the kid. Because, you know, it's, like it's my fault. I preached too long, you know? Imagine that, like if some of the pastors that we have in church and they preach too long and then somebody dies, they're like, okay, hey, don't worry. Let's not stop the worship. You guys keep worship. I'm just going to go resurrect the guy and, and we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the joy of the Lord. Come on. I died and I couldn't get out of that sermon. <laughs> he brought me back. That's right. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it, that's kind of like uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Have you ever heard that story about him and his that's wife? That's right. She, yeah. She, I have you probably heard it, right? Yeah. Where his wife dies and then he prays her back and she goes, "Nope, you let me go right now. I saw heaven. You let me go." And he goes, "All right, well, go back." Yeah. <laughs> she dies again. <laughs> the, the second time she said, "Let me go. I had enough of you." Uh, <laughs> I was asking the Lord to die. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <Not enough of it. laughs> Imagine if our wife would be praying like that. I would be like, oh boy. Yeah, that's right. So the disclaimer so, here is Anne Marie, please don't kill George. All the joy, glory, and uh, <laughs> come on. Now I'm going to preach like K- uh, Kenneth Hagen. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> any charismatics in the house? What? Come on. <laughs> And Wait, uh, what school did what, you go to? I went to Raymond Bible College. Right. <laughs> so that's why when he yeah. said that, I was all, hey, we know each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and um, so what happened, one of the nurses, she, she actually a full gospel believer, and uh, we had a beautiful time with her. She would be like, you know, a support for us. Uh, it's always good to have a believer there too, you know, as a nurses or doctors. And um, she was the last one to do the CPR. So at that time, they already gave my son six rounds of epinephrine. Uh, by the books, one round, maybe two, and just just call it quits. But they were not quitting. There was something was driving them. And at minute 23, uh, uh, the nurse, at the Julie, who's Christian and... Uh, and she's right now moved to a different part of Canada. But, you know, spirit failed. And she is just, like, praying to the Lord. It's like, Lord, just bring this kid back. Come on. Like, the the, the, the parents are believers, and this will be for your glory. And uh, Martin came back. 
Now the doctors obviously, you know, having questions is like how is neurologically he's going to be because, you know, we don't know he was without the oxygen for all this time and just doing the CPR. So they did the, the test at day 13, specifically at day 13, the MRI and everything came uh, good, you know, like no, no issues with the brain. Praise God, you know, yeah. God, God wow. can do miracles. <laughs> yeah. And to, uh, going a little bit for a few years, uh, like my son learned ABCs at the age of uh, two. At the age of three, uh, he could already say them forward and backwards, like by memory. Uh, and at that wow. time, he knew in all three languages ABC, in Ukrainian, Spanish, and English. Wow. And uh, he, he did not watch any cartoons, but just ABC's videos. Was like kind of possessed. I'm gonna be ABCs by age of four. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Possessed of the ABCs. Let's cast out that demon of ABCs. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like one more video. It's like no, come on. So <laughs> I, I, I I would do some jokes on him at that age, at the age of three, and I was like. I'll put Arabic ABCs. And I was like, he's like, that's not the ABCs I want. I was like, I don't care. Learn. <laughs> 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 then we'll change different languages and he would just so get pissed off at me. It's still ABCs, but just in different language. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning just Hebrew learning. today, son. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, tomorrow, Aramaic. So you can be translating the Bible with uh, Dr. Simmons, you know, from the Passion Translation. <laughs> And uh, at the age of three, he was reading books like from grade one, not uh, not the JK or SDK, but like grade one. He could already read. Right now, he's reading grade two and up, and he is in grade one in school. Uh, uh, so he he's he's quite smart. Uh, yeah. God yeah. God made a healing there. So what was happening with me and my wife at that time? You know, and it's like. What what do you do when your son is dying or is dead and you're driving through the roads and you're like, man, like I need to get here fast enough. And, uh, you know, can you make a prayer? Do you pray when you drive? Uh, do you pray at that moment? You know, how do you pray? What could be your approach? And the one thing what I learned and through all the trials that we faced in the last 10 years, you pray before you face the trial. You pray before you get sick. You pray and have the relationship with God before you have all these situations in your life. Because a lot of people yeah. will, will say, you know what? Yeah, when I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be praying and reading the Bible because I'm going to have this time with God. It's like, no, you're a liar. You're going to just snore and sleep and you will have no strength to pray. So just pray when, when before the trial. And when we came, obviously, you know, you get emotional because you're seeing your son being there connected to, to this Christmas tree of different pumps and, you know, with all these fluids and pumps beeping and everything and all these machines working. And you're like, okay, you get devastated because it's like, man, is he even, even alive? Yeah. So it's just machines working. But through all that time, uh, I, I, I said to... Uh, Jacob, the, the day before, it's like I had that holy naiveness that we could not understand what actually was happening to our son. It's like that peace that just blocked every every worry. 
And and people would just call us. It's like, are you not worried that your son is going to die? I was like, listen, I'm not the one who give him life. He is in God's hands. If God wants to continue, give him life to continue, then so be it for the glory and for the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. And and if yep. God decides to take him home, so be for the glory and testimony of Jesus. It's like, it's not that I'm neglecting my son, but it's just understanding to give everything in his hands control. And that's the best place, man. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we were, we, we were praying with Diana, like, you know, and crying and all that stuff and hugging and people were coming just so sorry, so sorry. And I was like, there's no need to be sorry. God just brought the victory. And I'm emotional, not because I am feeling bad. I'm emotional because I just saw God to do the most beautiful miracle in my son's life. He gave him life back like to Lazarus. Yeah. You know, and the, and, and, and it was just like <laughs> some people would call us to give us, you know, some, you know, kind of encouragement, but we were actually the ones that messaging people and encouraging people. <laughs> uh, at that time when Martin was at the, at, like right after that arrest, the church, this is what I want to kind of share too, that how important is the prayer of the church, the prayer of the saints. And I would encourage uh, for whoever is listening to this podcast, if you are going through a trial in your life, get into the body, get into the church, get into the flock of believers, into the flock of saints. They will raise you up in prayer. They will, they will walk with you. There's pastors that will walk the trenches of your battlefields. And, 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 and that's the best place you can be. Fighting alone doesn't work. Fighting alone uh, will not bring victory because you always need, listen, even when Jesus sent the disciples to minister on their mission trip, he said, go by two because there is better uh, two than one, you know, like even the marriage, you know, is better two than one. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what I kind of want to leave there for whoever is listening to us during this testimony time. So the church prayed, and the church prayed for three days. They fasted, dry fast, for three days. Uh, they signed up for prayer the 24 hours. Well, actually, it was 72 hours of prayer nonstop until the Sunday morning service. Yeah. And God brought Martin back to life. Not only brought him back to life, but brought, uh, like, stripped any curses of the enemy that were on, on Martin's life, Amen. like, let's say, from... For healings and I believe that like his testimony is not finished yet we yeah. just had a few weeks ago um, uh, probably five weeks ago there was a surgery to close all that abdominal wall so for six years he never had that abdominal wall closed and kind of lived like that just with the skin over and he then had the he doesn't have the belly button no so he Always, I was telling, joking to him, it's like, you're like Adam and Eve, but they didn't have the belly button. (laughs) (laughs) So he would be like, oh, yeah, I'm so special. I don't have belly button. And uh, now that the surgery is done, they put, they brought together the muscles and, and, and actually surgically created a belly button for him. So every time I'm asking Martin, where's your miracle? And he is like, here is. My miracle, he lifts up the shirt and there's that scar and the new freshly designed belly button by the doctors. And um, going back, uh, when I want to just I remember this one thing I didn't say about the name. Why the name is important. 
So when I was praying and asking the Lord, what is the name of this baby? I know it's a male, but what is the name? And the Lord gave me a name. He said, he is a fighter. So I started researching uh, fighter, fighter, and there was coming different names. And one stood up as Martin. Martin means fighter. And uh, I think it's like in Latin or something like that. And uh, if you remember, there has been two Martin, Martin Luther, in 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 our lives and in, in the history, Martin Luther yeah. and Martin Luther King, who fought for the rights of the people, is like you know mm-hmm. the justice and the justice of the Lord. And then the second middle name of his is Gabriel, that means a messenger of God or a messenger of the presence of God. So I'm like, this is the best name. He is a fighter for God with the message that it's bringing the message from the very glory of the presence of God, because Gabriel was bringing the message from the presence of God. Awesome. And uh, I can see that, like, you know, uh, I would uh, highly recommend for the, the, you know, the young couples that are expecting babies, like you pray and you ask the Lord, what is the name? Because that name will drive them through their whole life and actually will, will mean for the ministry as well. So those are kind of little, a few miracles. In this day in the hospital with Martin this few weeks ago, uh, with the last surgery, uh, he had a little complication uh, on day seven uh, after the surgery. And uh, he, he, he was not feeling well. They did the test and they saw that he had an infection in his body. And that infection is called sepsis, so an infection on the bloodstream. So they obviously start treating him, and the church prayed. And guess what? In 10 hours, my son was back to his normal. Listen, there's no antibiotics that can help you to be back from sepsis in 10 hours, but there's only one wow. antibiotic that can get you back, and it's Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's the best, the best medicine that we can get. I'm not, I'm not against the doctors. But I'm going first to God, first to Holy Spirit, and then second to the doctors. Yeah. Sometimes between one and the other, it's a really short time, but <laughs> yeah. still, God first and then the doctors second, you know. Yeah. And uh, what are we learning through all this stuff as a family? What are we learning as a church? That in every single circumstance that we are living, it's always for the glory of the Lord and always for the testimony of Jesus uh, to be developed in, in our life. Our church name is the Ministry Company. It's really a particular name. It's not that we are a business that does the ministry. No, the company is for a company of brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. fight together with with you in the trenches. We uh, We have different... Uh, backgrounds of people, different walks uh, within the Lord. There's aged Christians and there is uh, young ones that are, just came to the Lord a week ago, you know. And and the second kind of the, the sur- uh, uh, I don't know, like the second name of the church is the House of Testimonies because we believe that the testimony of Jesus Christ that is in you is the one that saves everyone around you. And the more we share about the testimony, what Jesus done it in our life, and sometimes could not be like as, you know, exciting like Caleb's, <laughs> Caleb Perkins or, or ours, uh, with, you know, about my son Martin. But uh, even if it's something small that God healed you from uh, addiction, you know, and uh, addictions can be so, so yeah. different right now. 
you know, uh, growing up, we only knew two addictions. It would be alcohol or drugs. Right now, you know, the addiction to pornography, the addiction to the social media, the addiction to, um, you know, many things, gaming, you know, yeah. if God healed you from that and freed you from that bondage, that's already a testimony of God's power, yeah. of, of, of the power of the blood of Jesus that can free you up, you know, and the, and the, tes- the testimony of the name of Jesus. Uh, and those are kind of what the things what I wanted to leave in the remarks. If you guys have any more questions, uh, you go ahead, because I can still speak for five more hours. <laughs> I have that anointed. <laughs> yeah. No, I th- I think this is a great spot. And before before we get off, uh, when you're talking about the people listening and thinking, oh, I have till tomorrow or I'm going to put this off, uh, you reminded me of Luke 12, 20. Uh, and it says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And he's talking to the rich man, and he's trying to store up everything before God takes his life or he loses his life. And uh, I think that's when what you're saying that, that reminded me a lot of that. And if you're a Christian who is worried about the things, uh, further on, on uh, Luke twelve thirty two, it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And he's and I, I just think that's really interesting that he says little flock there. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking, and he's like, hey, like, like <laughs> little buddy, <laughs> I got right. you. Uh, because further before that, it talked about how nobody had to worry about the birds don't worry about where their food's coming from. They don't worry about water. They just know it's there. Yeah. And how much more does this Jesus, this God care about you that like, even, even in your situation, you had freedom and Hey, I trust you, God. I trust that whatever happens, it's for you. And that no matter what I think you should do, because I'm not God, I have this little three pound brain. You are infinitely, thinking already know already been there done that came back and saw it twice <laughs> and you know exactly what our destiny is and so i'm going to trust you whether it makes sense to me or not in this chapter this is where i am yeah and 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 that's that's the part that in our and everybody's christian walk is understanding <laughs> how to trust him you know when March 2020 rolls, I was in a conference in the United States in, uh, in Indiana, West Lafayette, Indiana. And every, everything dropped, you know, the country went into the lockdowns, you know, because of COVID-19. And, and, and at that point, when we were trusting maybe our horses and, and, and our chariots, trust me, at that time, we needed to start trusting the Lord. Yeah. And... If we look at 2020, I believe that the church in general, whoever is was on fire is burning even brighter. Whoever uh, was lukewarm, uh, they are cold or, or still lukewarm or done, you know, with the church. And I believe that the this 2020 and 2021, all this COVID situation, uh, I'm just feeling this from the Lord to share, it's a setup for us for a great awakening in North mm-hmm. America. Yeah. 
but not just an awakening of revival. We've seen lots of revivals. Yeah. We've seen a lot of, you know, igniting here and there. But I believe this was a time of the great harvest. As 100 years ago, we had a great harvest in Canada and United States where people literally were coming to the Lord in masses. And I believe this was the time when the church is already awakened and already prepared, but they don't know that yet. But we will get out of, on the streets and we're going to bring the people uh, to the Lord, you know. And I, I, will, I will encourage everyone who is listening this, that always giving the trust, always giving control to the Lord, even how hard it is. Even if you already know how God can operate in your life because you've seen it before, because his presence went be, before you and you've seen him operate in that, don't trust in your experiences, but trust in the Lord. Yep. When the Israelites knew that if they would bring the Ark of Covenant with them to the battlefield, that the Lord will fight with them, because that's what happened in Jericho and with uh, Joshua. But in Samuel chapter uh, chapter First uh, Samuel chapter four, when they were fighting against the Philistines, they they lost the first battle. They bring the presence. They bring the old experiences into the battlefield. And they could not win that battle because they forgot that the glory of God already left. So let us be encouraged not only about the presence of God with us, but let us be encouraged with the glory of the Lord that is resting upon the church. The church, it's always been glorious. There is no uh, gates of hell that can prevail against the church because the church is built on the rock that is Jesus Christ, not on Peter but on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has given us the power to step uh, over or, or, or trample, uh, trample over on with our feet any work of the enemy. And, 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 and can I pray right now? Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. this is usually when we close up the <laughs> okay. podcast. So I, I just, go I ahead just and, feel it. Go ahead and pray the Holy out of Spirit the... is, is leading that and... Uh, I just want to pray right now for those people who are going through situations uh, with either physical battles, uh, you know, like uh, the health or spiritual battles with the oppression of demonic oppression over their life. And I just want to declare this. So right now for those people who are listening and they're going through situation, I just want to pray this. But Father God, that those people who are going through situation in their life and they're hungry to see you work in their life. Let your Holy Spirit just touch them right now as they hear this message. And if they going through a, 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 a season that they need healing on their life, I, I pray right now that as they put the trust in you and put their hand on the area where their illness is, that you will heal them right now with the power of your name in Jesus' name, they, the healing will come over their life, Lord. And I pray right now for those who are struggling with the depression, anxiety, and anything that comes from the enemy or yes, any sir. addictions, that those addictions and anxieties will be broken in the name of Jesus. As those chains fall of their shoulders and their hands, your name, Lord, will be glorified in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just pray right now that those testimonies that are coming from this podcast, that faith building 
in their lives, that those testimonies will come not only for for this podcast, but for your glory. And many will come to know that you are God, Lord. So we just thank you. And I bless my brothers for the great job that they are doing, Lord. And I pray blessing over their families. I pray blessing over their kids or over their businesses or everything what they do, that everything what they touch will be prosperous and everything what they do will be in excellence to you, Lord. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, listening to this week's podcast with Pablo. It was an awesome, fun time uh, getting to hear his story and learn more about God. So please just share it on every platform that you can. Share it on on your Facebook on your Instagram, your TikTok, wherever you can, <laughs> wherever you can, uh, share F cubed. And thank you guys again. Uh, at the bottom of our uh, description of our podcast, we'll have links to Pablo's uh, ministry and also to F cubed. If you want to support our ministry and get us out there, uh, you can go to that link and uh, donate to help us provide and get more guests and if you ever have any questions we're on tiktok instagram and on facebook uh we love you guys and thank you guys for listening thank you